Welcome, movie lovers, back for another Anatomy of Movie as we dissect War of the War for the Planet of the Apes, the third, and this new reboot, if you will, the ninth overall in the franchise. Stay tuned as Caesar wages war against the humans. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. That's right. Uh, we're talking movies and we're talking War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, very good movie overall. We're a little bit delayed in having done it. Uh, if you're just joining us for the very first time here in Anatomy of Movie, welcome. We always welcome new people. Uh, and hey, if you're returning, we welcome you just the same. <laughs> um, also understand that we assume, especially at this point since we're doing this a little bit later in the game that you've seen the movie that you want to talk specifics about the movie so it's going to be very very spoiler filled um as part of what we offer to you guys you know we're going to talk we're going to go in depth on various things um cinematography um story the obviously the visual effects um anything of that kind and we have our notes there for you to download in the description box that way you can follow along because we're not not get to everything mm. but we certainly have um a lot there so anyway without further ado we have dimitri panos hey, joining us hey movie fans phil hi how are you i'm good i'm good i'm excited to talk about this movie me it, too it's uh it's a very good movie i i agree yeah a great great way to kind of uh end caesar's journey if you will yeah let me ask you something because with me, you know, Matt Reeves' flourish storytelling really caps off this trilogy. And I don't know, for me, this is a trilogy that each movie that came out was better than the next. So, you know, we had um, Rise. Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which I thought was okay. And I know that it was under a different Helmer, um, but I thought it was okay. Um, but it was really Dawn that, that, that got my attention. And I remember talking about Dawn here. And then this one was like, what a, what a, it was just a wonderful culmination of this trilogy. And each, like, it's rare that a trilogy, they get better. Um, and this one does it. And I think that, uh, um, and it's all because of, well, Matt Reeves' technology performance, but, uh, it was, I saw this in 3D as well, and Reeves' composition of shots, I thought, was just striking as to where he would frame characters and what he'd have in the background and the vistas that he had, this this, this journey, because this was, in a sense, a, a road trip movie, um, you know, going across, like, country or making it up north, um, which I thought was amazing. Uh, I also felt that he was able to direct big. He's able to direct big scale mm -hmm. and make it look good, right? I mean, the action sequences, the war sequences, are really intense and awesome. But he also composed like intimate shots very well, like when they're at the ski lodge or when we meet, quote, excuse me, bad ape, or anytime the little girl Nova was 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 there too. He was able to like, he was able to capture the nice, tender, quiet moments as well. So, speaking of expression for me, this motion capture technology has just come such a long way 
since the days of Gollum. We're, we're all googly-eyed at that. Like, how did they do that? That's amazing. But for me, I think if it's not already at its peak, and if there's more to be done, uh, I argue that it's so good that in today's world, uh, that it's, it almost can be considered a prosthetic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a mask, in a sense. And we've talked about Andy Serkis's performance and other motion capture performances before. And there was an argument made, how, like, can it be nominatable? Can the Academy's... Can the Academy Awards, like, start considering a motion capture performance as a nominatable, like, best actor, even best supporting actor, whatnot? And I think we were talking about, well, how much of it is the actor? How much of it is the special effect? But I think in today's world with the technology... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline being so precise and, and wonderful that I do liken this to like when John Hurt had to put on the mask for Elephant Man, right? Uh, uh, Eric Stoltz in, in the mask, right? Or any kind of like uh, uh, Sophia Butella and say uh, the Star Trek movie, anytime when there's a prosthetic used, people will still look at the performance and say that it's fantastic. And I think that I, I'm making the argument that in today's world, the Academy should at least open their minds and start thinking about looking at performance like Andy Serkis mm-hmm. because, you know, it's not the mask that makes the character. It's the actor that makes the prosthetic and or the motion capture. And I really do think that Caesar, Andy Serkis's Caesar, is something that should at least get those gears clicking with Academy members to say, Maybe we can. Maybe we should because it, it, motion capture has gotten so, so good. Um, you know, and I think that the way that Caesar, he's a flawed leader, right? And I think it's the writing, but I also think it's because of his performance. He's prone to mistakes. He's not the best leader, but he's flawed, but he does the best at what he can with what is around his environment. And you really feel bad for him. Because he's trying to make informed, right decisions for his his clan, his group. And sometimes it doesn't work out the best, you know? And you can really see it, I think, in Circus's eyes and his performance. Uh, and which I just think that, again, this culminates with this movie. I think it's fantastic. So, um, you know, props to the new girl, Amaya Miller. I believe that's uh, how you pronounce her name, as Nova. I thought she was fantastic as well. Um, you know, I think this is quality science fiction that we're getting this summer, and it doesn't beat us over the head. It mirrors our current society, uh, you know, and I think that it's quality entertainment for sure. Fair enough. I I really enjoyed this movie. Um, what I appreciated about it overall, and I know some people are kind of going back and forth on it with the that the title "War for the Planet of the Apes." It's not enough war. In this movie, perhaps, 
Um, but I appreciate uh, the the Western nature of it all. Sure. You know, um, which, you know, there, there's a disconnect between the marketing and what it is. But, um, you know, the war really is more, yes, there's a physical war, but the war is mentally what's going on with Caesar. Mm-hmm. It's his war um, that he's really do- – um, and, and again, he, even just that, it's him against the colonel and it's his battle against, um, you know, his ideology. So I, I, I really appreciated kind of how they had a lot of great action set pieces and yet stayed very, very tight. Yeah. You know, which it could have certainly gone off the rails in terms of uh, going anywhere. And, and um, in a weird way, yeah, I, I appreciated the culmination of this trilogy. I, I thought Rise was a really good movie overall. Mm-hmm. Um, each of these has such a different flavor, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and while obviously it's the same story, they're vastly different. They're almost like different genres in a sense. In a sense. I mean, they both still carry a science fiction element to them. And I always say that science fiction should always be about the human condition. And what this Planet of the Apes and what the original Planet of the Apes has done, too, is just turn what the human condition is, make Mm -hmm. you rethink and... Well, the original, point. you know, science fiction and you could maybe say a buddy comedy esque. Like you have Frank, you know, like because they're dealing with their and or maybe a oh, drop coming I, of age. I was going, story. I was going back to the Heston days, like the, the Charlton Heston days, where that was really great science fiction. This one, what they've done too is again, they they sort of kind of turn it on its heels. Um, you know, when we say the human condition, whose condition are we looking at? Who's more like? The humans trying to survive, it's Caesar and company and making those decisions, you know. And uh, that's what I've really come to appreciate, particularly in the last two movies. But you're right. The first one's like a buddy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Th- th- I mean, they take a lot of risks, too. I mean. Absolutely. We have, you have sign language and you have long periods of silence, pretty much uh, for the most part up until the middle to three quarters mm-hmm. along the way. Which, And even at that point, the fact that there's mute people... Um, which we'll talk about in terms of the disease, uh, you know, it, it just and the fact that you you can stay that captivated without dialogue is mm-hmm. uh, is really phenomenal in terms in terms of being able to capture an audience and keeping it interesting. Yeah, I remember last week we talked Dunkirk, which mm-hmm. is a very similar kind of thing too, a little dialogue. But you're right in this movie, and this is where I say this 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 is where Reeves for me in this movie. It was his composition of shots, and this is how I really noticed it. And and I and I did see this in 3D. Um, I don't know if you saw it in 3D, but I saw this in like XD 3D. And uh, again, I, I just marveled as to how it looked, and the great time and care they took to put their shots together. So it helped with the action. It helped with that that Western feel of going across the snow. You know, the snow-capped mountains, and it looked beautiful. So the silence only impacted various scenes, yeah. and I thought it was great. Absolutely. Well, after – so let's let's talk a little bit about development. Pretty sure. much after seeing the initial cut of Don, uh, Fox says, we want this guy, we want Matt Reeves to come back, do the third installment as part of this series. So they announced that they, they were doing it, and uh, – you know, it would be co-written along with um, Mark Bomback, Bomback. and uh, and they were able to do it. Uh, the fun part is, um, in a sense, the, the, in hearing about it, 
they got to do essentially what everyone re- ultimately really dreams of is just getting to watch movies. And so on through the Fox lot, they just watched movie after movie after movie for inspiration to Absolutely. to get into this. And whether that was a you know a, a Apocalypse Now, um, Clint Eastwood movies, uh, Empire Sour, yeah, all yeah. all of these movies just for inspiration to yeah. really okay, how do we take that in terms of writing the story and why it is to me so good? It's it's continued to stay with that central character of Caesar and this is the culmination of Journey and they they were very particular about like you know let's make it biblical let's make it epic let's make it mean no. something yeah and Reeves to his credit um, you know he's a part of uh, you know he's quoted as saying part of the thrill of making these films is the opportunity to bring new technology and new forms of cinema to classical myths or it's, yeah it, creating something unique for these times and Definitely, if you are a lover of film, as we are, you see that peppered throughout this entire movie, yet it is modern day. Um, It's never mundane or cliche. You know, he does take those, like, you can see where he borrows from, like, Clint Eastwood. And shots shots are longer, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not very quick cut. It's one of the things, again, going into this movie that I you just appreciate it from an artistic level, but from an entertainment level. Remember, we are in the midst of summer. You know, this, this movie was released July 14th, so that's smack dab in the middle of summer. So we're being bombarded by, you know, a lot of tentpole, action-y, explosion-y kind of entertainment. And this movie still fits into that. But it's done with a plum. It's done with a, a sense of finesse and style to creative filmmaking that was done in the past, but makes it look new and his own style. You got to appreciate that. And and I love the fact that, hey, we're watching movies on the Fox lot. You know? Absolutely. Um, and they certainly, they benefited from, I mean, part of the reason why they were able to do it was when they did Dawn, um, they had a shorter product. They had an accelerated schedule in terms of delivery uh-huh. here. Um, it kind of got the release date was a little bit pushed back. And so they, they were able to have their time. Right. You know, and it's not to say that Dawn turned out to be a bad movie, but um, it's just always nice because especially when we talk about these things, there's always such a deadline to meet like, okay, great. The next movie's coming out in a year and a half. Well, crap. We're right. already out there. Right. We're, we're, we're a year behind the eight ball. Yeah. Well, get it done anyway. Did you feel this movie felt rushed? To you? No, um, I, I I thought you know they were given the time that they that they really needed um, to be able to to tell the story. Yeah, agreed. Um, which was nice, and they knew exactly. I mean, the fact when you really think about it, we're we're rooting against essentially our own kind. <laughs> True, I um, get it. Yeah, and the fact that we're crying. I mean, I know a lot of people. You know, it's a very emotional movie. Um. And yeah, you know, just the, at a certain point, you're like, please don't kill anyone else. I can't handle this. Right. Um, and that says a lot. Yeah. It raises the stakes. And, 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 and that's the difference. Like the original, and by the original, I'm talking the, the, the Charles yes. Heston Planet of the Apes. You are, it's a Twilight Zone. And I believe uh, Rod Serling had a hand in writing a screenplay for that. If somebody can check me on that, please. But, you know, it's sort of that Twilight Zone-ish kind of thing. You're still rooting for the humans, right? And it's only when you get to the end of that movie that Charlton Heston realizes, holy shit, I'm 
he sees the Statue of Liberty. I'm, I'm on Earth. What the hell happened here, you know? And so you get that. And it's still a humanistic um, uh, story in a sense. But this one, this trilogy has been focused on, let's make the apes the humans. Let's make them the sympathetic characters. And humans are, are bad, bad humans. And But the thing about it is, is that they don't make the villains, they haven't made the villains stereotype that they're not your stereotypical villain they've done a good job in providing like the colonel in this you understand his motivation the guy's like the guy's nuts clearly nuts right but you understand his motivation like why he's trying to do that and in his explaining it to caesar you also get the sense that caesar is like yeah dude i get what you're saying you're making sense, but we need to work together. Uh, but the guy's crazy. <laughs> you know, he's lost it. But at least you can understand the motivations. Well, it comes from the nugget that, I mean, you know, obviously at that point, no one's ever faced this sort of problem. True. So, you know, in that sense, like when there's no past barometer to be like, okay, right. well, you know, this worked or this didn't work. Uh, yeah, you, you kind of have to jump to some sort of conclusion and yeah it's going to be thought of as radical and whatnot and i did you know it's it's not until the end i mean even just that the way they marry the two storylines together Mm -hmm. when he goes in there and 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 wants to kill him caesar does and yet stops himself i don't think he's doing it i I think he is doing uh, like regardless of whether or not um the colonel had his condition right i think he would have prevented himself from doing it regardless because that's just what what you know i i see it within him like it's almost like batman though he may want to do and get rid of the joker and kill him off once and for all it's it's never gonna happen right but then just seeing that seeing him in a state where basically everything that i've been fighting for i've been wrong on right or now it's hit home or like it was it was especially with the sun it was a wasted effort, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's what I, that, that's, again, one of those things that makes really good science fiction is when you turn the human condition in on itself. It's a, it's a mirror. And the apes, in this case, are, are a mirror. And I said, you know, Caesar's not, like, a great leader. He's not, like, the heroic leader. He's going to come in and save the day. I mean, he has all that stuff, but he's a leader that actually tries to think things through, and he's flawed in the way that humans can be flawed, because even with all information in front of them, they they make an they make a decision via their heart, their conscience. And what I really enjoyed about War for the Planet of the Apes was, again, not necessarily it's not necessarily a standalone movie, even though they do their best to set you up and and you're introduced to the character of Kobo, right? That that's what his name was, and. That character in the last movie, Rise, like it was such, um, again, another villainous character whose motivations you understood, but he just took away over to the top. But what happened with, with that character, Kobo, still plagues Caesar in War of the Planet of the Apes. Like, and it's one of those things like, Jesus, am I becoming him? And so a character even says you're becoming Kobo. Like, if you're doing this for revenge, that's what Kobo was. You have to have other motives. And I just found that they never used, they never overplayed that card, right? I thought, and that was really 
even through quick flashback or whatever, that was the turmoil that Caesar had to go. He had to look within himself to see the type of person, the type of animal he was or is going to become. And those, I think, are great themes and issues. Well, yeah, in, in terms of that struggle, it's very much, you know, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm, yeah. You know, it's like, hey, I know, like, and especially the way that movie culminated, they are, it's not like they just disagreed, like, oh, you know what, you got your way of thinking, I got my way of thinking, we're good. You do you, I'll do me. It, it, that came to a head. Right. Um, and, and so you have to, in essence, live or die by now what you chose. Right. And it's very much like, well, crap, what if I chose the wrong thing? Yep. What if I've been wrong all along? Yep. And um, and obviously that because it's you know I think the, the the real crux of it is you know uh, Caesar for the most part never really elected himself as the leader no no he didn't so and and so they're all following him and he's doing the best that he can with it and and he already sees the mistakes of it he, like not that he knows initially but when um when they're in the caves which uh, amazing uh sequence in, in terms of just the ropes and everything but, oh my god but, but yeah. even slightly before that when, when you know they're saying like there's a paradise we have to go and one of the, one of the apes is begging like hey let's go tonight because they're going to come back um and you see that real sense of struggle and yet then in hindsight you realize well it's because he knew he sold them out he knew they were coming he wasn't just yeah. guessing it yeah. he knew exactly what was going to yeah. happen and um you know, I'm sure that war, you know, I'm sure just like us as an audience, Caesar realized that, like, wow, right. it's it's heading home. Yep. Um, it's tough. And, and again, it, 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 it contemplates what it is to be a leader, right? What moral choices do you have? You know, there were bits I always, you know, you'll, you'll laugh because I always seem to, whenever we talk science fiction, I always bring it back to Star Trek. But the early episodes of star trek it was captain kirk dealing a lot of the great episodes were when captain kirk is like i'm responsible for 330 plus members on this starship like if i make a wrong decision jesus like somebody could die like and those were always the headiest great human condition stories that 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 resonate as much today when you're watching a war for the planet of the apes because Look at what's going on in the world around us in leaderships and, and whatever. And people live and or die by decisions that are made, whether it's on a battlefield, whether it's, you know, from wherever. And it's trying and how does one cope? And Caesar always believed in his conscience and in his heart and part intelligent. He was, he was also the most intelligent on the block. And I think that's how he got into this position of leadership. But he also led with his heart. He had compassion. He had compassion for the humans. And that's the other thing, too, is in all of the movies, there was always a compassion for the humans. And he would, people would always question, like, why do, you, why do you show compassion? Look what they're trying to do to us. And the philosophy is, you know, but there are some really good people. We have bad apes, too. No. But there are some good people that we should try to take care of and why not? Because maybe then we can all, maybe other people will see this. Again, you understand his motivations. Uh, this is a movie that comes out in the middle of the summer and listen to all the various things. Like, this is well, what I you can take out of it. I definitely want to talk about Noah, but even, um, you know, what's interesting to me is he he literally tries to, at, at the very least, say, like, 
I'm going to go on this revenge journey. I understand what it could cost me, but I'm leaving you guys separate of that because yeah. this is this is my cost. It is not yours to bear. And through that, he, you know, he, he, like it just seemed at that point like, um, what do I have to do? No matter everything that I try, right. it leads to this. Right. It, 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 I, I can't shake this. Yeah, he can't shake it. And he's fortunate enough that around him he has great moral and conscious like consciousness like like conscience support through like Maurice who has grown to be such an amazing character throughout this series another like hard not to love character because he does become Caesar's conscience in a good way he's part of the crew that offers this opinion of sentiment and heart and don't he offers him the paths that he can go down. Uh, Bad Ape is a really great character in this as well, as far as he's somewhat intelligent, but he's known as Bad Ape. And what is he doing here? And you didn't want to go too far with this character, but he has his own story and he le- he lends his... He- it's a new character that comes in that really adds to making this a good sequel. And then, of course, there's Nova. Nova's... I mean... And at first, Nova could have just been a metaphor, an object, if you will, for, Mm -hmm. okay, she's representing the humans, and she's just got to tag along. But then she really comes into her own, and she is beyond just an object. She becomes a character that that influences the story. Absolutely. Uh, I love it that she is a nod to the original Charlton Heston, Planet of the Apes, Nova. And Nova is proof that, okay, she was she's afflicted by this ape virus, I believe they call it, where she can't talk, she's mute. But it doesn't, at least in her case, it didn't make her any less smart, didn't make her any less caring. Uh, if anything, now, through her, through her not being able to talk, she has this whole new language that she can speak with the apes. She and Maurice click. And Maurice, like, is like Caesar. We can't abandon. We can't do this. Then we're no better than Golo. We've got to be better than that. And uh, the 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 this girl uh, who plays her, I thought, was wonderful too. She was a nice breath of fresh air in this movie. Which is good to see. She was, and, and she got to represent like what it, what it's really speaking about, and what the driving force is. At this point, um, you know, the promised land really isn't so much for Caesar and the rest of them it's for the innocence the new generation that was uh, right. with the son that was made very apparent right um, and so she's represented on the human side of okay like there could be a whole generation that could le- um, live cohesively mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be this way because they don't know any different right um, why does it have to be that we have to you know be enemies just because that's what yeah and and since we're talking like this 12 year old uh and i and again i hope i'm pronouncing her name correctly amaya miller this is her first major feature and reeves goes on he describes how miller won the role and, and he's quoted as amaya is such an intuitive young actor when she came into audition we threw away the script and i just asked her to relate to the apes and he says it was clear right then that she was special and had a talent way beyond her years and she and the actors uh, playing the apes and such 
they became family and sh- and and you can tell that number one finding the right girl to do this or finding the right actor to play this and have a connectivity with the actors around her you can you can see that in this movie um and again, she's acting against people who are in motion capture kind of suits, right? So she's not seeing, like, she's not seeing the end game, no. okay? She's reacting to people in these weird type of suits, and they're acting and reacting to her. I mean, to me, that's that that's that's movie magic, and that girl's intuitions uh, really paid off. Uh, and I think the dividends are, are great. She 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 was a wonderful find. For this movie, her performance sort of kind of reminded me of that little girl that was in Logan, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, because that girl had to carry a lot of weight. She had to handle action. She had without really saying a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I agree. And I think um, one of the things is we talk about Nova, um, a lot of people are speculating that she she's not as quite not as emotional about the, the guy who got killed. And I call him the guy who got killed because people make the assumption that. That is um, her dad. Her dad. I don't... Nowhere is it stated that that is her dad. No. I think, you know, as part of what we later learned, they just left people behind. Yep. Uh, and that was if they were lucky. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, that's just whatever. I think he had compassion for the girl. They yeah. somehow found each other and just he became the... But, you know, um, I don't know if she, I don't. I doubt that she had too much attachment. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I didn't get... The sense I felt that this was some semblance of a camp, and I didn't really get the sense that this was her father. No, because you're right. They're, 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 I mean, if it was her father and she just sees these apes mowing her down, there would have been a different kind of reaction. But there wasn't. There was a there was a more intelligent reaction to it. And uh, yeah, I, I don't. I, I believe you know. I believe you're on point with saying that. These are people who are living in this encampment trying to survive. Uh, and Nova just happened to be in this encampment. And that guy was a jerk anyways. I knew he was going to pull a gun. He deserved what he got. <laughs> bad human. Bad <laughs> he was a human very bad man. <laughs> um, let's, let's, let's go back to the idea of uh, Bad Ape because, um, you know, he has that sort of breath of fresh air. And, uh, you know, he's, he's used phenomenally because he's a device. You're kind of coming up on the point. Where you're like, okay, we we gotta have some talking soon, (laughs) right? We're not gonna have human characters yet, but all right, we'll give you Bad Ape. So he serves that purpose, but then beyond that, uh, you know, there's the expositional side of it, and then comic relief. Mm -hmm. So I mean, the number of roles he serves is just vast. It's crazy because, well, number one, it's Steve Zahn, Mm -hmm. right? Who, let's face it, I, I can't remember the last time I saw Steve Zahn in a movie. And not that I nece- not that we necessarily see Steve Zahn here, but his interpretation of Bad Ape and, and, and given what he was able to do is is fantastic. Uh, this is you're right. He's a comic relief, right? But at the same time, this character there's a vulnerability to this character, right? Um, he's also he has levity, but also Bad Ape. He was a dad. And he's also dealing with a particular kind of pain as well. You're right. And to be able to carry all of this off in a character who becomes a linchpin and, and you know, someone to raise your arms with and go, yay, bad ape. You know, he, he just became 
it's tough. You introduce, I mean, this is the third movie and we're, inter- we're being introduced to a new character where you would think that sometimes you're still getting to know your main characters, but this new character, as well as Nova, flourishes and is given the opportunity to shine. And I think that's, again, the camaraderie that's on here. He was uh, really, yeah, Steve Zahn did a fantastic job. He did. And, uh, you know, he, he was kind of like the canary in the coal mine of, like, we shouldn't do this. Right. You know, which a va- valid perspective in terms of, like, hey, let's just leave well enough alone. Uh, Considering what he lost yeah. in life as well. Again, you understand motivations. And he's yet just that other opinion to throw into the hat that Caesar has to draw from. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the third sort of dichotomy to it, um, if you want to call it as such, um, the donkeys. Uh, <laughs> the mule, yeah, the mules, yeah, the donkey, yeah. Well, because if from, from, from an ideological standpoint, you know, it's who's to say that they're not wrong? Like, as an audience member, we're kind of watching and we're like, Boy, are you dumb for choosing the humans? Um, or like in the because you feel like the, at any moment they're just going to screw them over, right? Uh, but you could see from there, like, what choice do I have? You know, at least this, I'm not treated nice, but I'm certainly not treated like that, right? You know, and so um, it's a it's a weird it's a weird it's it's weird to watch, but um, I'm glad that they put it in it's weird to watch but it but and if i'm also if i'm also correct as well you know they're they're aiding the enemy and we've seen this in actual historic war in which you know people will you know aid the germans uh, and and such or, or the japanese and we see this done in this movie as well and to your point it's like look i I didn't see a future over here. At least yeah. over here I can sort of have, I think that I'm being led to believe that I'll have a future. And, uh, you know, I have to do their bidding because yeah. that's what keeps me alive and I have, to, I have to survive. Now, not good for the apes. Obviously you see it as we as humans, and this is why the apes in this incarnation of planet, planet of the apes, the apes are the humans and they're seeing these atrocities of war and what revenge can bring, what the humanity can bring, and humanity is turning the act of the hu- humans in this, they're turning their apes against them, they're becoming traitorous. You feel the pain. And again, it all goes to Caesar going, if I was a better leader, maybe he wouldn't have left. But, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't lead like Kobo. That's, that's not my way. So when you have the mules or the donkeys, you know, it's, it's you again, you understand the motivation yeah. behind it. Uh, they're not good apes either. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, again, it's one of those layered things, and it's not what you normally expect out of a midsummer franchise summer film. Yeah. That's what I, you know, great science fiction. I want to talk about... Um there's a lot to talk about the camp, but I want to talk about those sort of camp conditions before we get into the action stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we should definitely talk about the waterfall stuff as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> when we do. But uh, from there, it really was interesting to kind of watch how they did it. And because 
it, it was such a level of control, um, like a mind f mind fuck. Yeah, it, it was like it, that, it was like a mind fuck. It was like an internment camp too, to an extent. Again, something out of our own history. And yet, putting but, these people in, yeah, but but not as ironically, not as violent initially as you perhaps would have expected. Like you know, um, the fact that I, as I was watching, sort of. Um, what I would call the rebellion, you know, when Caesar's like, hey, we need water, we're stopping until we get water, it plays out much longer. You know, they they could have shot somebody right then and there and, right. like, no, get back to work and put right. an end to it. But they, you know, uh, the colonel is much more strategic and was sending a far deeper message than just shooting Caesar and being like, all right, back to work, everybody. Right. Nothing to see here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought that was a very interesting way to play it. Um, that I would have never guessed. Yeah, yeah, that scene too. But 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 you see what Reeves and the storytellers and, and the writers are doing too. They're also building emotion, mm-hmm. right? Um, because you're right. Shoot Caesar. Movie's done. Whatever. Somebody else has to take his easy out. They didn't choose an easy out. They chose a harder out, and they chose one too that you know could have had audiences like, "What the hell am I watching here?" But I think the emotional payoff at the end is what they were striving for. And they took a harder route, which you sort of, you have to commend them for. Because, and again, when you have this character like the Colonel, it's so easy to make that character so over the top and villainous. You have to add some, some semblance of, uh, quote unquote, humanity to him as well. Because he understands Caesar as a leader, and there is the strategy going on, and he knows that if he kills Caesar, he's probably lost that war in a sense. So uh, I liked how all of that, all of those scenes in the camp play very well. And if somebody does get shot, there's an emotional impact. There's a heft to it. That we feel as an audience, which I think is great. Well, that's certainly where the uh, biblical references come into it when when Caesar's essentially crucified. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and even just the way they taunt them, like, "Oh, you want water? Boom!" Right in his face. Right. Uh, not really giving him water, just you know, let it drip de- off him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, degrading him further. Yeah. Tough scenes too. Again, we put ourselves in that scene. There. There's a human, and he's the sacrificial, he's the Christ figure. And you say, you said it was a crucifix, and that's pretty much what it was. <laughs> and um, very, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a means of torture. That, again, we've seen this uh, in various movies. Uh, you know, I don't, I can, you can go as far back, uh, Angelina Jolie's movie about that, that runner who was captured and tortured during World War right? We've seen this sort of kind of torture happened before does it make it any less worse that it's apes who have humanistic conscience now if anything it's equally as impactful but that's what good science fiction should do it should impact and you should look at it and go jesus that sucks that's horrible um let's kind of switch gears talk about the action um i guess let's start with the waterfall stuff because then once we get to the end we're kind of at the end <laughs> of things right um you know, you you you, ha- you keep mentioning how well it was shot and things like that. And th- like, I mean, you know, we we've seen marine movies, we've seen mm-hmm. army movies. I I I've never seen something of this nature. It was yeah. so subtle, 
Um, so you, it's, it's not like they did something like astronomically different, right. but they just used lighting and editing and pacing and music and all this stuff to their advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, culmination of all of that and, and particularly the, the editing and cinematography. And again, this is going to go back to Matt Reeves direction. You know, we had, we're inside these caves and how do you build this up to its to a culmination? And it was very quiet, yeah. too, right? And that's another thing. And and it was the use of the the green laser lighting, right? And then the way that it's editing, and they know that they're being infiltrated till it comes up to we're in the falls, right? That mm-hmm. scene at the falls. Um, again, it builds. It was the way in which it was shot, edited, directed, performed. You get that there was a there was a genuine thing of stakes, like there was suspense. No. You know, you sort of had the feeling. I will say, there was Caesar's son, like it, it was, albeit albeit sad, but those stakes were there, and you had the feeling that they were going to sadly meet their end, um, mistakenly because you thought there was Caesar. But even even but, just the fact of just seeing the colonel. Yes. Just eye to eye, seeing like, because it's one thing to they could have easily had him kill this, you know, um, anyone they wanted ultimately, and then boom, they're gone. Okay, gotta get, but just, but just pinning the two of them together, and 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 you know the reason why you're put put into that, seeing the rage within Caesar, yep. not even the at that point it wasn't really technically rage; it was just pure sadness, and from the colonel it was mockery. Yeah. Like, come and get me. Yeah. And and again, I'm going to go... This is this goes to, for me, uh, both of their performances. I thought Woody Harrelson was was really great in this movie. He even now... Like, Gary Oldman was really good in The Last Planet of the Apes as the villain, but I really think Woody Harrelson as the villain here was fantastic. But I'm going to talk about Andy Serkis, too, because this is another level of his performance that wasn't relied on like i can honestly feel and believe that this was performance like he didn't have to have the special effects do the performance for him okay like this is true when you look at andy circus and his face and what he's able to emote i believe that i was watching a fantastic performance and i felt his loss i felt his pain i felt his anger when he goes running for him to dive like that was a really good scene and played out so much better than the fight scene that he has at the end with Gary Oldman in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, you know, and it didn't take place on a scaffolding because I think we talked about that in Dawn, but that was a really intense fight scene, you know, and what's going to happen, uh, played out very well, uh, looked re- it, and again, I got to say in 3d, the levels of the water, the people, the rope, swinging. It was great. It was laser light. It was fantastic. Just fantastically done. He has a great flair. I think Matt Reeves has a good flair for action, and albeit one of my favorite scenes in Dawn, and it's still today, is we talked about it, is the tire that's sort of kind of on fire that, that the camera follows throughout all these scenes of, of uh, gun gunfight in that movie i was hoping that there would be another flourish like that didn't get it but no less a grander movie than 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 dawn but he has a he has an amazing flair and it really is about 
how am I putting these, how am I choreographing this? How am I going to show this to the audience? And he's got, from a visual standpoint and telling a story, I think he's fantastic. Yeah. I really do. You know, I look forward to his, uh, I always look forward to his work. He's got that, uh, there are very few, and, and I'm glad that he's around. Uh, you know, I always talk James Cameron has this visual flair as well for, composition of shots we can all go back to scorsese kurosawa clint eastwood you know they all learn from great people you know spielberg uh it's just the way a composition of a shot and what they've given us that that through film history it just stays with us Mm -hmm. you know and and it's how you film an action scene we talk about action a lot well never over edited no i mean uh one of the things that really stood out you know they're able to use multiple levels, and uh, when we go back to the idea of the the donkey, the fact that Caesar needs to blow up this this tank, right? Um, you know they they play that very perfect um, because it's it's it, and it's and it's so slow, and you can see the the mechanisms working in mm-hmm. terms of in terms of yeah everyone's um, what they're thinking. And yeah, just just the shift from then um, the donkeys realizing like, oh wow, I've I I've chosen the wrong side, you know, right. or this is my kind. I, I see the the wrongdoings of this, and 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 being able to help out Caesar in that moment takes an action scene. Um, what could have just been like, okay, a grenade, blow it up, boom, um, into something extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And that scene is great too because that scene in this movie. Is one of the uh, I remember seeing it. That was one of the major applause. And again, that explosion sort of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you didn't until you, and you're like going, oh my god, that's a, yeah. It was it was one of those applause moments in this movie. Um, you know, and and at this point too, if I'm correct, Caesar is mortally wounded. You know, so the mere fact that he can continue to carry on, you're just like going, he's on pure one hundred percent like will <laughs> right now stand you know adrenaline and will to get this done to save ape kind human kind. yeah and uh that was a great it, it was a great scene again adding more layers but it, it, you just attribute it to the writers and the director for how that goes because they could have gone the easy route but they never went the easy route well uh- I want to get your opinion on this because some people are saying the easy route was, oh, well, there's a deus ex machina with the avalanche now killing all the humans. Sure, sure. To which I say, do you understand that the avalanche came because everything blew up? You can't have an explosion that size on <laughs> mountains and they're not going to, like, so there's a cause and effect. Exactly. Sure, you know, there's no foreshadow to tell you, like, oh, my God, there's going to be, but there's a cause and effect because of that explosion that we're talking about. Right. That the avalanche comes and... You know what? Yeah, the monkeys are just, the, the apes are better because they can climb trees and humans are dumb. Yeah. Like, how is that a deus ex machina? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I didn't find that. I mean, and let's face it, the humans, they knew about the colonel, but they weren't really there to save the apes either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they were there to take this colonel out because he's 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 Kurtz. You know, he's he's apocalypse now. Like, we got to get this guy we got to get this guy out. He's a nut. He's a nutbag. He's not helping our cause. He's only making matters worse. But they really weren't there on the ape's behalf either. They weren't saying, oh, good ape. We understand this guy's crazy. We're going to kill him and then you'll be. No, they were going to take him out and more than likely take the apes out too. <laughs> so they weren't 
good guys, per se. They were just on their mission, and the apes were there, and they were more than likely shooting them, too. (laughs) So... Yeah, which is certainly the colonel made that point of like, oh, you think when the time comes, they're going to care about you? Yeah. Or whatever he says, paraphrasing. Um, so 100%. And uh, yeah, I, I just don't buy into that, the fact that it came out of nowhere. It was <laughs> came because of the explosion. Yeah. What else do you need? I don't. Yeah. I don't I, it's an I really avalanche. Yeah. yeah. Just avalanches have been started by sneezes. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go to go to Avalanche Nation, wherever that may be, and see how easy it is to start an yeah, avalanche. See Everest. <laughs> um, anyway, um, what other story elements or action scenes do you, uh, do you want to touch upon that uh, we might not have already touched upon? Um, I know uh, we definitely have to talk about the ending and yeah, Paradise. I mean- the ending in Paradise, very nice. You know, his use of, of like, the fighter jets, the planes. Um, and, and, again, when we're talking about action scenes, too, we're also in a world today, cinematically anyways, where, you know, and I think when you look at history of, of action movies, like a Die Hard movie, right, like Die Hard, where you're on the edge of your seat because there are multiple things going on that you know they're telling this story so action a is happening over here but this could affect but action b is happening which could meld into action a so we're getting these grander scenes and the same here in apes and to me it's all about how are you piecing this together um because there are many things happening at once and we've seen movies where that happens and you become confused wait what the hell where am i what the hell is going on here not the case for War of the Planet of the Apes. You had a really great sense of geography as to where this group of apes were, how this group of apes is under the tunnel and the sewer system. And coming up, I always use Avatar as, a, as an example of, of, and James Cameron himself is great at laying out our geography so that we have a sense of place, whether it's Avatar and even Titanic. These, these to, a, to a good seasoned director and storyteller like Matt Reeves, he's able to, we're not confused as to where we are, who's fighting whom, who's escaping. Uh, I think it plays a key part in all of the action here, including the caves at the beginning, right? It wasn't quick cut, so we're not, who's killing who on this? And what's happening you get a good sense and editing is used how editing should be used not to confuse an audience or make an audience dizzy i can actually see the action play out uh and again it's all down to storytelling and how things are looking but it's a big undertaking because you know they're not all filming it at once they're filming it scene by scene but they're having their idea whether it's um pre-viz or storyboarded out it's okay then we're gonna cut over here so yeah i think it was done very 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 well and and again i have to say uh the 3d which they filmed the native 3d which is becoming more and more popular it was just it, it looked spectacular they did a fantastic fantastic job i can't think of any other scenes uh that that came to mind other than say the quiet scene when they came across the ski lodge Mm-hmm. Like that was like a really well done. It was our breather before the war. Yeah. And I just liked 
It was beautifully shot. It was peaceful, serene, and white. You know, not an action scene at all, but very integral to the, the, the progression of our story. It was a sanctuary for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, I want to talk about, I want to start to kind of shift gears into the production side. Sure. Um, Michael Saracen uh, was, was the cinematographer, uh, done movies such as uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, did the last um, Planet of the Apes, which was Dawn, Midnight Express, um, even, you know, that's, that's dating back to 1978. Right. Um, so movies such as that. Um, so obviously been around for quite a, quite a number of years, worked on uh, quite a number of movies. Um, but in terms of that, you know, uh, I, I know you have tons and tons of stuff about Weta. Um, what I found fascinating was the fact that, you know, when you talk about motion capture, and I've been kind of holding off on this, but when you talk about motion capture, uh, there is a lot of people that are credited with, you know, bringing the CGI to life. Right. And yeah, um, Matt Reeves makes it a, a point um, whenever he's done sort of speaking engagements and Q&As. Uh, and by the way, in some sense, you kind of feel bad for the guy because he never really gets to talk about the story. It's always about the technology. He's like, right. but what about the story? The story's eat. Like, that's why the technology is there. Right. To make the story amazing. Um, but anyway, he's, he's a good sport about it, obviously. Uh, during the, during the, the, the CGI process, he's very meticulous in saying, okay, how did Andy do it? Or how did, how did these people do it? And match that. Mm-hmm. You know, add the layers you need yeah. to, but but it's got to match this performance. Absolutely. Um, and so I appreciate that meticulousness. Yeah, and and everything that they've been doing in this movie too have been, quote unquote, first. We don't think of it that way. We always think because we're so bombarded by technology and movies and special effects. So Saracen, number one, I said earlier, he filmed in native three D, and he actually shot on a brand new. Uh, Ariexa, is that how you pronounce that camera? Mm-hmm. 65 millimeter digital, they mm-hmm. shot this movie, which I find is like fascinating, right? So, but here's the thing the first time, you know, when they were working on Rise, yes, we'd had Gollum, but Caesar is a fully, he's like a main character, right? So, this is the first time that motion capture has been used in extreme weather including like falling snow. And we had to take the process already considered very sensitive and carefully calibrated into areas with sub-freezing temperatures and snow flurries. So this is the first time basically that it was taken out into nature. So when Caesar, Andy Serkis' Caesar is on his horse and there's snow and he hits a branch with snow. I mean, this is all very new technology which we sort of kind of take for granted but they have been upping this motion capture like i said to 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 new levels and new heights which really allows the performance to come through and this is what i was saying earlier you have to match it to they're matching it to the performance so and it's not like it's not like the digital technology where they're putting uh, Peter Cushing's face onto an actor so he can play Tarkin. Okay, this is creating a character, and Andy Serkis is is performing, and they're just making him look like an ape. That this is why I'm arguing that it's a prosthetic on him. 
because you can make a prosthetic. Anybody who's under a prosthetic should be able to emote, right? If you're a good actor. And, and it's I, a good prosthetic. And it's a good prosthetic. <laughs> right, right. I mean, if I put a you know box over your head and call it a yeah, it's a hey, little bit different. Hey, look, the unknown comic yeah. <laughs> on the Gong Show is able to still crack up jokes. But you're right. But this, in a sense, is just the prosthetic in which an actor has to emote from. And I, I truly, honestly believe, like putting the layers on. The special effect isn't making Andy Serkis smile. It's not making him look sad. That's all Andy Serkis, right? So uh, I just think that, that that's why I believe that it's incredible because now we're at a point where it really is a performance capture uh, than it is a, even, even more so. In fact, just call it performance capture because that's what we're doing. We're, they're capturing performance. And just making him look like an ape, but he's doing all the walking. So, and I, going back to the point you had made about um, the weather conditions and things of that nature. I mean, uh, um, Warren Miller, uh, still to this day, you know, he makes all the skiing, skiing documentaries. Movies, yep. um, and where I'm going with that is to say that there's still a very specific reason why a lot of his movies are shot on film, it's because it's very difficult to take a camera into freezing climates right technology doesn't have the, a good habit of working correctly in those conditions right but yet something mechanical such as film which has right. gears and is not you know prone to like oh. cpus and stuff like that uh still works right. and so the fact that they you know as you pointed out were able to do this um i mean they're they're in they might as well be in the tundra the entire time yeah um it's it's absolutely uh remarkable um, to be able to do that. Right. And again, too, you got to remember, too, motion capture was born out of being filmed on a soundstage in which you can add the elements of nature. And again, Peter Chernin, who's a producer of these movies, he even said, you know, he goes, we were the first to shoot in the woods. Now we're going to mountaintops and in the snow. People don't know how extraordinary complex it is. Wet fur. This is another thing we've talked about, whether we're talking about Zootopia, mm-hmm. right, an animated movie, um, or, or um, Skull Island, right? One of the things they always say, wet fur is the hardest thing to, to get. And these guys are, these actors are out in snow, which is always going to be getting wet. How do you get that done? So, you know, D- Dan Lemon, uh, who's the visual effects supervisor on all three movies, Real-time facial animation tools now allow artists to execute complex and precise a facial animation decision, allowing them to recreate any expression and honor the fidelity of the actor's performance and for hundreds of characters in a scene. Like, how many times? The camp is a perfect example, right? All those extras, not apes, <laughs> Right. That's amazing what they were able to accomplish. And, it, and they didn't just take one ape and then copy it and then put it into a crowd. No, it felt very much independent of... Very yeah. much. And so Ryan Stafford uh, was supervising... Catch this. He was supervising some 50 visual effects personnel and overseeing a 10-person a ten witness camera unit, an array of 35 to 45 motion capture cameras... 
as well as an army of data wranglers, surveyors, and photographers gathering information on every detail of each of the set. Because we didn't know while shooting what elements might ultimately be created as CG, they had to shoot everything. And then we 3D scanned every inch of the set. <laughs> That's, so they go above and beyond, which is smart, because you got to pick up shots. We don't know. Yeah. Just shoot it all. And I get that adds to a budget. But it's just a smart way to do it. Absolutely. And from the editing perspective, um, it's it's an interesting way to look at it. Because obviously you're going to have sequences built out and you can throw stuff to the the visual effects department. But in essence, you get... your time is a little bit limited because you've got to have this thing done. You don't want people wasting their time on stuff right. that's getting cut, um, et cetera, especially, you know, when, when you're at that level, um, you know. And you're right. And, and even to your point, they shot most every shot twice, sometimes up to four times to ensure they had their proper coverage mm-hmm. of knowing what to have. It helps when you have a budget, right, um, to do that. But obviously, in the case of War of the Planet of the Apes, it, it was to their benefit because in the end of the day, if they didn't have this, well, then, then the dreaded word, reshoot, <laughs> we got to go back up. We don't have enough. But they made sure to, to get themselves quite some great coverage. I think, you know, and, and, and I think they got coverage, essentially covering their ass, but at the same time... Um, you know, there could be a sense of that where you don't know what you're doing. Right. So then it takes longer because you're like, okay, well, what do we cut to? How do, you know, then, you, then you're just kind of left with too much. Right. So you got to be able to that – can, that can be an advantage or it can be a disadvantage. Sure. And oftentimes, sometimes it is a disadvantage mm-hmm. um, if you have that inexperience. So they, they, I think they very much used it properly without having it be a hindrance. Yeah, and at the same time, they're still creating technology. Do you realize they, they had three new concepts – of of special effects technology that they were working uh, that, that 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 was put into this movie. One of them being a new organic forest growth software known as Totara T O T A R A, and this next generation simulation tool it emulates nature's own growth patterns. <laughs> Okay, so allowing trees to adapt to plant life surrounding them, it even makes changes to shape and color caused by aging over time. New growth is red, then leaves turn green and naturally brown. That's crazy. So they have basically a a digital geranium (laughs) that that changes. They used an advanced fur system um, that surpassed all the other previous apes movies. Uh, brought new levels of complexity, how digital fur behaves and interacts with the world. Um, particular need to mix fresh snow with fur drove innovation as the visual effects team worked through how snow sticks to fur, clumps onto fur. Um, Caesar, catch this, Caesar alone had nearly a million strands of hair that they had to put on there. Crazy. And then the last one is something called a Manuka Silite toolset. Uh, this newly built toolset models with pinpoint accuracy how cameras pick up and respond to light. So the result is that the war team was able to light the apes similarly to how a DP 
would light with all the same photographic rules applying to those used on a sound stage. So this is how they were bring, able to bring it outside. Mm -hmm. That's incredible to I me. So. I, I think you know it's uh, it, it's a testament to this collaborative effort of movie making magic. You don't think of all the stuff that goes into this, and you just think it's a simple special effect. But I, I love learning about War of the Planet of the Apes because. I would never think that we've never been outside with motion capture, like especially in the previous I, Apes movies. I, to me, it's I don't know. I would I would argue this is one of those flip examples where, um, you know, so, uh, like t take a movie like Wonder Woman, which is crushing it still. Um, mm -hmm. And we, you know, one of the things we want to talk about story, we want to talk about the the production side of it, but we got bogged down in that one talking about okay, the historical context of a female director and what that meant, right, and, and whatnot. Um, and I'm not discrediting that we had a great conversation, but I, I'm just saying um, it it took, you know, that became the primary focus over everything else. And with a movie like this, what's amazing is like obviously the 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 what they were able to accomplish, and yet I think. We're discussing that more in terms of than the amazing story, and it's it, it's almost it. Like I, th w w what's sad to me in, in some sense is that the story is almost not given enough credit to what it really is. Because all of these things, I applaud them one hundred percent. But it was always in service of what is an amazing story. Because we've we've had the flip side of it where we're like, okay, well, the story yeah. sucks, but the the production effort, you know, we have to right. applaud the production effort, right? No, and I, I, I was thinking that at the top of this show, we were doing really great. We, I, a great service to the story because again George Lucas has always said this special effects are a tool if you don't have a story you don't have a movie and, and that to his credit he's absolutely correct special effects should be used as a tool what's brilliant about Planet of the Apes is, is that you don't think of the special effect you don't think of Jesus Christ, they were actually filming outdoors, and that was, that's hard? We don't think about that because we are engaged in the story of Caesar and his war for the planet of the apes. So that is what I love the most. And I was only thinking of motion capture only because of where we have come as far as the technology is today. And what Andy Serkis was able, and all of the other apes too, I mean, you know what? I didn't even realize that Maurice is played by Corinne Conoval. She's a female, right? I, you, it's like, but Maurice is such a wonderful, sympathetic character, and what she brought to life to this character in the past, I believe Maurice has been in the three movies, is amazing. What Steve Zahn was able to accomplish and bring through is unlike anything I've, see, I've seen Steve Zahn play before. We've come to a point where we're not thinking of this as a special effect yeah, it just is. anymore. It just is. And when you have a really good story, it makes it fun in our, like in this world, in the anatomy of a movie. It's what we do. But it makes talking about the special effects that much more fun, yeah. right? Because we pay attention to this in this forum. That's why I always say we're unlike any other movie review show because we're not here. We're here to love the process, right? Whether we like or dislike a movie, we love the process. And sometimes the process gets lost. Sometimes the story gets lost because <laughs> of the process, yeah. right? But we always bring that to light. And I really think that, I mean, in talking about the 
the process. Let's talk about the acting. Let's talk about what it takes and what they, what they did. As far as the apes are concerned, you know, they actually had an ape camp. Mm-hmm. Terry Notary, who played an ape, um, they, he, he, before production biz, began, actor and choreographer Terry Notary convened what became affectionately known as ape camp where the actors submerge themselves in ape behaviors, fine-tuning their movements, rhythms, and timing. And they had the veteran cast, uh, along with the newcomers, uh, who had to confront new reality for the apes. And that, to me, is crazy. An ape camp begins unexpectedly with 20 minutes of sitting. That's it, sitting. <laughs> and it's funny, new actors always ask, so what do I do? How do I do it? But the first thing is, you don't do anything. Instead, we undo everything. That's the key. Through the course of these films, I've found it's not about trying to channel an ape at all. It's about dropping deeply into yourself, softening and widening your perception while being really open and vulnerable. And I've learned by playing Rocket that it's the most honest way. And you can see that this is a performance. You know, they're not mimicking apes. Each one has their own personality because of performance story and everything as well but because of performance you're able to pick them out i just again more of those strides that you necessarily don't think about because you're already engaged into what's a really good story and you love maurice maurice is a great you know he's absolutely i mean he's um i mean he kind of really ends the story for us sure he bookends it because he's you know it's him and him and caesar and then caesar passes away and yeah uh, yeah, although very sad moment, uh, very, I mean, they're tears of joy. Yeah. Rather, like, we've just seen so much sadness throughout the movie that, yeah, it's, you, you might be crying, but it's, you're just relieved. Yeah. And let's face it, too, I mean, we could have easily lost Maurice as a character, which would have been a bummer, <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah, Maurice is a, Maurice turned into this really great conscience for Caesar, uh, and you're right. It's at the end of the movie we are in this paradise, so to speak. The sun is coming out. They all realize where they're at, and they have Nova with them. And for the first time, and, and at least Caesar got to see it. There's hope mm-hmm. amongst the humans. The quote, the apes. There's yeah. hope. And I enjoyed that. I, th- I thought that was a nice way to send them off because you know that you could have very easily chosen to. Um, get rid of him when when he throws the as soon as he throws the grenade um because he's done quote his part and that's it and and he he fulfilled his wish um but for him to really also for however a brief moment in time to really bear the 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 fruits of his labor Mm -hmm. um was a nice send-off yeah i agree very Uh, much so uh you know it i don't know what this means for next if there will be apes installments and i'll be honest with you if if this is the last of this series, I'm fine because it told a three act story. That's the other thing too. When we're talking about story, this movie had its three acts, even though it plays the third act to a to a larger trilogy, um, and they each had their conflict to overcome. And if this were to be the end, so be it. I, I, I'm I happy. And I, you know, uh, as of right now, um, there is announcement of a fourth, according to sources. Um, 
to that point, you know, I it'll be so I, I, they'll have to use the strengths of Maurice and the other characters that we know. Um, you know, obviously there'll be a continuation. We'll get some new characters, but they're gonna have to be very careful of how they do it because, yeah, we we followed Caesar for three movies and mm-hmm. um, it's his story and it comes to an end. It's very beautiful, but now you can continue it, but it just depends how you do it. And so I'm curious. Yeah, I would be curious too as to where the saga goes and how much into the future they go. And are we going to get a reboot of the Charlton Heston? A soft reboot. You know, like a a soft reboot. I mean, essentially, it's kind of like, you know, it's it's a reboot within the reboot. Right. Because you have to, you know, anytime you reset something. Right. So now that Caesar's gone, you're resetting what the next goals are. Yeah, and you don't necessarily at this point know much more about humankind other than they are out there. Yeah, I mean, we never really get explanations. Are they dying off? Or like what's, yeah. yeah, the virus, um, you know, you, I mean, uh, there's, the only real evidence of what it is, and you'd have to know it, is from Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. In terms of the effects of it. Like, you understand that it's severe, but what is it? That's it? Like, well, how, is it spreading far and wide? Right. We, we know how it spreads. Yeah, just, that, that was a brilliant way to kind of you know what? What seemed like a simple object, plays, the doll. Yeah, plays such a big role, and they they um, foreshadowed that in the most subtle yet effective ways. Right. Um, so anyway, it, uh, it, it you know we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see. It'll I be interesting. There's a lot to explore. It'll be interesting. Um, you know, we do have. Uh, I have some some really cool video. Um, I have one of uh, Andy Circus becoming Caesar. Um, and, and it's, a, it's, that one's a short video. It's like 30 seconds, yeah. but nonetheless impactful. Um, if we have that up. Oh, you know, uh, uh actually, um, Anthony pulled everything up. He put everything in the, in the system and it would be okay. Yeah. Um, one says Andy Circus Caesar and the other one's Weta. As prepared as War for the Planet of the Apes is, that's how unprepared sometimes we can be, it yeah. seems. Uh, in the meantime, let's talk music, and then uh, when you have it ready, just yeah. listen. Yeah, I want to talk about Gene Keno's score here. Yes. Too. Um, because we talked about him last week for Spider-Man Homecoming. You know, I actually think that, uh, again, I think War of the Planet of the Apes, I thought his score was fantastic. Uh he channeled some of the original, put it in, made it primal. I, I thought it accompanied the movie fabulously. Action scenes, quiet scenes. For, how about you? I mean, mm-hmm. I thought he did a really good. I thought this was better than Spider-Man: Homecoming. Oh, by far. Uh, I mean, this it, it was subdued when it needed to be. Um, it, it just accentuated every moment. It did. Um, in a, in a in a grant it wasn't over the top it wasn't overbearing um it didn't overstay its welcome it wasn't like hey here's music it just it slowly came in and without even realizing it it's heightening the moment whether yeah. that's sadness whether that's happiness whether that's war and it 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 played primally as well it had those primal instruments and sounds and again that comes back from the Charlton Heston uh, uh, era, but he channeled that I thought very well, and he made it unique to this story that it's inseparable. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, you can't take it out because I think it would affect the movie. And it looks like that video might be up here for we us go. to so watch. Here's, so uh, here's Andy Circus Getting ready to shoot some apes. Here we go. It is my hope that out of this solemn occasion, a better world will emerge out of the blood and carnage of the past. A world founded upon faith and understanding. A world dedicated to the wish for freedom, tolerance, and justice. If you're watching, he transformed from uh, from just the performance to him. And, uh, yeah, just seeing in that context, no difference. Right? I mean, it, it, and again, this is where we come. It's it's performance capture is what mm-hmm. we're doing. Uh, I think that that... that and again, if if you're a science fiction fan, that 30 seconds right there mm-hmm. encapsulates what great science fiction is. I mean, he's an ape, but it's, isn't that what humankind should be standing for? It should be hoping for. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool scene. Also have some really great uh, Weta footage. And Matt Reeves is there. Cinematography is there. Andy Serkis talks about what went behind all this and how certain scenes were shot I think is very fascinating uh, I find it fascinating I hope you guys find it fascinating too and it goes a little bit more in depth than just staying on Andy Circus. so why don't here we, we give go. that a shot okay here we go <laughs> Who doesn't like apes riding horses? War for the planet of the apes. At its heart is about the intimate relationship between these characters. What's so exciting is that we are capturing the actor's performance, tracking that into these photoreal apes. You're him. You're Caesar. I fight only to protect apes. You're not just standing in for the role until the magic's done later on. You're not <laughs> just representing the character. You are the character for real. Andy Serkis is an incredible actor. He has such an understanding of Caesar from the inside. You're letting us go? Tell your colonel, leave us the woods. You will see we are not savages. When you're in the audience, what you're really looking for is, is that emotional connection. That can't be done by just somebody in a gray suit that's just doing the body movements. That has yeah. to come from trained talent. Have you come to save your apes? I came for you. Weta is a high-level visual effects company. They are the best. Between what Andy did and Weta did, the audience can become Caesar emotionally. Weta is creating pure artistry for us. All of those details that make the illusion complete, Weta is pushed that further. A typical shot will start with capture being done on set. Weta can take this motion capture data and make that translate into a character that you actually can relate to. And action, Andy. The way that you can read genuine emotion has reached another level. Oh, no! It looks insanely realistic. 
It's just such a brilliant technology and I've embraced it and I actively want to push the boundaries. So that this movie is the most thrilling on every single level. Apes together. There you go. That's great stuff, you know, and I really do think that it, it well, it strengthened my argument. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I mean, special effects, yes. But, you know, Academy, just start thinking about it. You know, get start discussing it amongst yourselves because this is a performance, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not done by a special effect. The special effects is a tool in this case in which I believe the performance enhances the special effect. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's talk about the culmination of these efforts uh, in pure numbers. Uh, usually we do this a week after the fact. <laughs> this one we're doing a little bit later. So uh, I have, uh, as of July 30th, um, 224 uh, million dollars globally. Um, and do, uh, yeah, it's gone up a little. Uh, as of, I can say, uh, uh, I have information as of uh, domestic total as of August 3rd mm-hmm. is $124 million plus. Um, they're, they're foreign, uh, $110. So worldwide, $234 million. Uh, obviously, like the, like the foreign amount is 47% of the total box office, uh, 53% domestic. Not that far of a schism there, uh, from a percentage wise. Listen, uh, the movie cost about 100, and f- its production budget was 150. So we're looking on or around and above, say, 200 million all in. And we're looking already, they've gotten over that 234 million. Uh, opening weekend, 56 mil. I believe it came in at number one. It did, yeah. And, um, you know, number one ranked, the movie had a good playability. I think that uh, Fox marketed the movie pretty well. Um, you know, and, the, and they, gave us, they gave us an ending to a trilogy that audiences, it, it was very satisfying, yeah. I feel. So, which helps generate a good word of mouth, which CinemaScore is A-. Right, yeah, yeah. and but, uh, that couple of its Rotten Tomatoes, ninety three. Yeah, very, very high. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Where's the overpraise on this movie? Like again, I'm going to talk a little bit. You know, going back to Spider Man Homecoming, I think this is a far better movie than Spider Man Homecoming was. Right, this is a ninety three percent movie. This is a very well done movie. It's the third in a trilogy that ends very satisfyingly. And um, I, I really do believe that it, it works. Um, I hope it continues. Uh, you know, they should... Fox seems to be doing pretty well. Yeah. You know, the box office-wise. Oh, but it, I, I, ironically, I have the, uh, kind of a formulaic structure going to all of this because... Yeah. Uh, well, because Logan and, like, the, the sort of overall sentiment of that... Sure. ...follows Logan, um, <laughs> which you know, I won't even say it because that might give some stuff away oh, give some stuff away for what logan uh just by making the comparison perhaps that's a spoiler in itself but nonetheless <laughs> yeah but we already did logan <laughs> that doesn't mean everyone's seen logan yes they have <laughs> you can't assume that anyway <laughs> i i will 
All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, sorry, a, a-, a minus, you know, uh, again, this is a good audience reaction. People, you know, people like the Apes movies. They really have. I mean, especially think about it. I love Tim Burton. Okay, but that Tim Burton, Planet of the Apes. Never saw it. Don't care for not, it. Not, not such a good movie. And, again, it's a really good study into your film history, if you like, because that literally was a battle. That was a, that, that, that was a battle of the Planet of the Apes that Tim Burton had to fight. And hence, we get the movie that we get. You wait a few years, they retool it. But the taste of that Planet of the Apes is still in people's mouths, you know? And so how do we do this? But they did a really good job, you know? And, and they did a good job setting, setting the table. James Franco, uh, his dad, Alzheimer's, trying to come up with this, but instead it, it makes apes smarter, but, uh, but the, the side effect is it's starting to kill humanity off. Uh, we see cruelty in the first one, then the second one. The virus is pretty much taken over. Like we're we're seeing, it's just this series has just been done very well and told with with years gaps in between. But we get it. We're still here, and the apes and Caesar is still fighting with consequences mm-hmm. from previous movies. It was very smartly done. Absolutely. And the interesting part is um, it still has yet to release in a couple of uh, markets uh, internationally. So um, it's still going to be released up until like September. Sure. So um, exciting uh, revenue potential there as well, uh, which I'm happy for. Me too. I want to see it really do well. Um, All right. Final thoughts before we uh, wrap out tonight. You know, again, just it's, it's really good science fiction that we're getting smack dab in the middle of summer. The second half of the summer has really been delivering some entertaining, entertaining quality pictures. And I think War for the Planet of the Apes is a very good example of that and what we're getting. So uh, if you haven't seen it and you're watching us, well, <laughs> go and see it. Um, but yeah, I, I really, uh, I, I walked away from this movie going, I, I can't think of another trilogy in which the movie's got better mm-hmm. you know they they in in this one they actually one movie was better, better than, than the that. other i thought so it was a, it was a really solid trilogy it crescendos to a nice culmination for caesar it does and it's a, it's a very beautiful ending shot it's a very beautiful sentiment and with that hopefully this is a very beautiful ending to <laughs> beautiful podcast uh thank you guys as always at d movies i'll die right now see how beautiful that is people would applause Hey, at D-Movies, oh, <laughs> 1701, uh, support me. You know, I've been having some awesome conversation with some of the people who followed me uh, who, who followed me on Twitter. Uh, also, also, I got to say thank you for those people, too, who watch us on YouTube. Uh, comments have been really solid and good. Uh, people welcomed us back. Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah, had our little our hiatus. hiatus. It was really nice. Uh, uh, Kaya, um, you know, straight edge, uh, veganable, uh, some of our regulars come back. They've had some really great comments to read, uh, for Twitter. I just want to thank you for, for either liking and retweeting some of my stuff or even asking me a question about what I thought about this movie. It's fun. I mean, I love talking about movies, so... And, and thank clear. you, Phil, oh, for well, anatomy of a movie. No, seriously, you, this is a. I always consider it an honor to sit in this chair, and it truly is. Um, 
It really is. So uh, I appreciate that well, and the people a, who watch us. It's truly an honor to uh, so. to have you guys as an audience. Uh, please continue to comment. We love uh, discussing with you guys. And also, uh, shout out to the audio people. I know you don't uh, always get the recognition that you guys deserve, but obviously you guys are there. You guys um, have a voice in your own right. Um, so don't feel this, you know. Don't feel that uh, your voice isn't counted on as well. And that, um, that yeah, we we appreciate you just the same. Absolutely. Um, and definitely check out past anatomies. Whether it is uh, we did like um, a roundup of the Planet of the Apes. We've done Planet of the Apes in the past. Um, so we definitely covered enough of that stuff. We've covered Andy Circus movies, um, and so just a lot. A lot there in our library and a lot to look forward to uh, today. We, we're also going to have Atomic Blonde uh, in the coming weeks. We've got a lot of exciting stuff going on, and uh, hopefully we'll get the chance to, if, if permitted by the movie studios, that we'll get to do the fourth Planet of the Apes. And yeah. I say that not because they wouldn't have us do it, but they got to put it out first. Yeah, and also like movies like uh, Ghost in the Shell and Skull Island... They've all been released recently on Blu-ray, which and we did some, I think, some great shows off of those movies. So if you hadn't seen them and you're watching them either on demand or, or the Blu-ray, check out our past shows because we talk about them. We have great insights and behind-the-scenes footage to those, too. Uh, and we talk about what fun movies they've been. Absolutely. So, yeah. It's a fun film library, if you will. All right, guys. See Bye you all. next time. and the rest of the anatomy of a movie staff. We would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.